The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. here at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here are your top five at five. We begin with new week, new fortunes. The stocks look to bounce back from their worst week of the year. Futures are higher. And Warren Buffett has a message for all those dividend haters out there, and he's not mincing words in his annual shareholder letter. And a merger Monday, possibly on tap. This time, it's in the red-hot biotech space, big money movers coming up. Plus, with several key data points on tap, we take a closer look at the struggling U.S. housing market. And then later on in the show, it's written college essays and your last Valentine's Day love letter. But can it plan? Your upcoming vacation. CBC puts that to the test. It is Monday, February 27th, 2023. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning and welcome to Worldwide Exchange. I am Frank Hollins. Get a check on the markets and your money with this new week of trading. Right now, stock futures across the board. The Dow, the S&P, and the NASDAQ in the, in the green. I was about to say in the red, but they are coming off their worst week of the year. All of them falling between 2 and 3%. This morning, hoping for a bit of a rebound, all three of them about a half a percent higher than NASDAQ actually doing the best out of all of them. All right, checking the bond market. Yields keep moving higher with the two and the five year at their highest level since November. Right now, we're seeing the two year note at 4.84, the five year note at 4.24. Still have that inverted yield curve right now. The 10 year note at 3.96. Last week, it ended the week just kind of bumping up against a 4% yield there on the 10 year. All right, over to energy. Oil pretty much steady, near 76 bucks a barrel. We're seeing WTI crude at 76, up uh, a third of a percent right now. Brent crude at about 83 bucks a barrel, also up a third of a percent. Natural gas, something we continue to watch, up uh, 1% and a third this morning. About to say uh, 1.5%, but really 1 and a third. Uh, currency, something else we're watching. The dollar and its slow climb higher, especially in the month of February, up more than 3% in February. Right now, we're seeing it's up. One and a half percent. But again, seeing that big rise in the month of February right here, something that we continue to watch. It's also its highest since early January, coming off its best weeks in September. And then speaking of currencies, we're also watching crypto. We're seeing Bitcoin and Ether right now uh, trading lower this morning. Bitcoin below that 25,000 mark. That's become key once again. Um, Ether down fractioning this morning. Uh, Solana, one of the hardest hit, down almost three percent. All right, let's get a check on the overnight action over in Asia. Right across the board and a more than 1% loss in Australia. Europe's trading day just getting underway. Right now, a lot of green. We're looking at York, the CAC, up 1.5% along with the German DAX. All right, let's get a check on this morning's top corporate stories. Our Silvana Hanau is here with those. Good morning, Silvana. Hey, Frank, good Monday morning to you. Let's start with Berkshire Hathaway because it's releasing its latest quarterly results over the weekend, reporting its operating profit fell nearly 8% in the final three months of the year to $6.7 billion. For the year, profits were up, however, 12% to just under $31 billion. Berkshire also bought back nearly $8 billion in common stock. Along with the results, Warren Buffett also releasing his annual letter to shareholders. Among his many observations were those reeling against corporate stock buybacks, and he calls them economic illiterate. 
Now, and Pfizer reportedly in talks to buy biotech firm Seagen. According to The Wall Street Journal, the deal, which would bolster Pfizer pipeline for cancer treatments, could be worth more than $30 billion. Seagen was in talks last year to be bought by Merck for more than $40 billion, but the two sides failed to reach a deal. And multiple House committees are reportedly getting set to hold hearings on the Biden administration's response to the toxic train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. According to Axios, the hearings plan, among other things, to question how the government supervises large rail companies, Frank. All right. Certainly something to watch. Savan Hanal, we'll see you later on the show. All right. Back to a very busy trading week ahead with a slew of consumer centric corporate and economic data on tap. That includes some retail reports and home sales. But despite the green arrows for U.S. futures, fear may be making a return back to the market. We're watching Wall Street's fear gauge, the VIX, rising above 23 last week to its highest level since the first few trading days of the year. Now, this is the latest CBOE data shows call options betting the VIX will rise or changing hands at their highest rate since all the way back in March of 2020. We know what happened back in March of 2020. Joining me now is Robert Schein, Blank Schein Wealth Management Chief Investment Officer. Great to have you here. Good morning. Good morning. All right. So uh, let's just start it off. We just mentioned the VIX really beginning to spike in the month of February. It was actually down 11 percent in January and then up 11 percent in February. What's creating all this fear in the market? It's a lot of the uncertainty. We have geopolitical uncertainty, a lot of uncertainty from what we're seeing from corporations as corporations have been quite honest as they're reporting uh, their last quarter of last year, uh, a lot of the inflationary pressures. And then in addition to that last week, obviously markets sold off in anticipation of the repricing of higher um inflationary numbers, which basically push rates higher. And that's what we're seeing as a re- result of uh, the VIX moving higher, uh, interpreting all, all this data. Right. I think one of our, our probably second favorite word of last year after transitory was bifurcation. So we have seen a bit of a bifurcation. The economy remains strong, even though the markets remain volatile. So right now, as you're looking at this environment, trying to look for opportunities in sectors and stocks, what are you watching for? Are there certain metrics that you're looking at? Is it free cash flow? Is it margin? Is it simply profitability? Well, in this marketplace right now, you definitely want to go with the large caps. Uh, you want to look at, you know, excess free cash flow, strong balance sheets, strong uh, earnings. And, and we're seeing that there, even with the bifurcation, mar- bifurcated market like you're talking about, uh, there always there's always an opportunity to place some capital. Uh, and, and there's some opportunity right now, especially in the geopolitical uncertainty in some certain areas like the aerospace and defense sectors. All right. So you're saying there's opportunities in the aerospace and defense sectors. In fact, you gave us a couple of your picks. One of your picks, as we just saw the one year anniversary of the Ukraine conflict, is the Invesco Aerospace and Defense ETF ticker PPA. Why is that one of your picks? If you think about it, every country in the world right now is spending more money on defense, allocating capital. And if you think about it for the the retail investor, most are under allocated. So this is an opportunity right now to rebalance in an uncertain time. We're seeing the VIX rise. You're seeing a lot of geopolitical uncertainty. And as we can you know, capture uh, basically a diversified approach to balance out and put some defense in your portfolio. So PPA, the Invesco Aerospace and Defense uh, ETF, is a great broad-based diversified approach to add defense to your portfolio. All right, your other picks, Exxon and also Microsoft. Got to leave it here, though. Robert Schein, great to have you here. Thank you again. Thank you. All right, when we come back here on Wax Ting Up, a very busy week for retail and what investors can expect from Target tomorrow, plus the rate risk hitting the housing market. And with key data points on tap, 
We take a closer look at the state of real estate. But first, one of the biggest tech shows in the world kicking off this weekend. It's the Mobile World Congress. Our Karen show is live on the ground there in Barcelona. Hey there, Karen. Hi, Frank. Plenty of people on the ground. 80,000 people from about 200 countries and the Chinese are back in a big way. All the major players are here and there's plenty of devices, I can tell you. But also talking about the profitability from 5G. We'll discuss that journey when we return on the show. Stick around. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close? or travel somewhere far away. At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. All right, welcome back to WAX. The 2023 Mobile World Congress kicking off in Barcelona, Spain. Some of the top, top tech on display from some of the biggest players in the industry are Karen Cho. She joined us live right there from the convention floor. Karen, you're right there on the, in the middle of it. What's going on? Frank, this is day one, and I've got to say the crowds are certainly back. It hasn't really been an event that has run smoothly for a number of years because of various things from COVID one year that saw the cancellation and then the war in Ukraine last year as well. But the devices are very much coming through this year, and we are seeing it from a number of major players looking to the future. Don't forget, as you think about the smartphone market, it was one of the worst years for shipments since 2013. It's about one of the worst years in a decade. So a lot of the big companies are coming up with fresh innovation that changes the way the phone feels in the hand. So the screen display is different. We're thinking foldables, rollables as well. So the foldables market, just 1% so far. It tells you how much more territory there is to claim in foldables. Also, the trading down we're seeing by some consumers, that is a feature that some of the carriers are talking about. Very tough economic environment means that it's a split market. Some are still going for the high-end devices. Others want to save money when it comes to smartphones, and that is an area where a lot of carrier, a lot of the big operators are targeting now. I also mentioned 5G heading into the break. This has been a huge journey. You've seen a lot of investors piling in very early to the 5G profitability story. That said, it has been very slow to materialize. One of the problems is that the North American market was doing a lot of heavy lifting with the 5G rollout. China, don't forget, the access has not been that great in recent years. That's really left India as one of the big growing markets. So a lot of the big equipment makers are going after 5G profitability there. Europe Revenue is a challenge for the carriers, but many are going after the enterprise market where there are use cases of building a private network, but also industrial uses. All right, you were just talking about foldable phones. That's interesting. But you also mentioned China. So how are geopolitical tensions playing into China's return? It's very much there. I'll just show you where I'm standing. I'm actually in front of Honor. And don't forget, this is a Chinese player. And it does tell you just how dominant their presence is this year. This was a company that was spun out, out of Huawei. And don't forget, that's where a lot of the trade and technology tensions began. 
roll forward to the conversations that have been happening on Capitol Hill about restricting access to chips from Huawei, which is around their 5G phones. The company, of course, is on the ground here and still coming up with innovation. The Chinese, though, are still major players. They're going after market share in the smartphone market. And it's not just about smartphones. Don't forget, we're talking about the future here. AI, the Chinese are huge players in AI. And this is where the U.S. is trying to slow China down. This is a huge talking point for a lot of people around generative AI, chat GPT. Don't forget the Chinese have their own version of this with Ernie Bots. So the tensions are very much there. And I think one of the other big factors, too, has been around Russia. There is a huge push now for secure networks because cybersecurity is such a major issue at this point. Yeah, we're going to talk about cybersecurity later on in the show. Karen Cho, right in the middle of it. Looking forward to some more reporting from you. Thank you again. All right, coming up here on WEX, from term papers to abstract art, it seems like chat GPT and AI tech are just about everywhere. But what about planning your next vacation? CNBC is putting it to the test. The results when WEX returns. Stay with us. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. All right, welcome back to WEX. Wall Street gearing up for a fresh look into the housing market from the pending home sales numbers today and the S&P Case-Shiller Home Price Index tomorrow. This amid continued headwinds in housing, including rising rates, supply chain disruption, and, of course, affordability. Joining me now to discuss, Lawrence Yoon, Chief Economist at the National Association of Realtors. Lawrence, great to have you here. Yeah, good morning. Thanks for having me. All right, we're going to, we're going to talk a, quite a bit about rising rates and the impact. But first, I just want to talk to you about the housing market overall. Now, pre-pandemic, there was a huge shortfall of housing. Where do we stand now? Uh, well, you are absolutely right. There was a housing shortage pre-COVID. And then in the first couple of years of COVID, uh, the, the real estate boom because of the low interest rate and the shortage intensified. But in 2022, because of rising mortgage rates, Steadily, home sales decline, decline, decline. Furthermore, apartment building went gangbuster, 40-year high activity. So we still have a residual shortage of housing. So before 5 million, now 4 million in my estimation. All right, Lawrence, get ready. This is something we're definitely going to clip for social media right here. So our prices falling right now. We know rates are rising, and supposedly when the rates rise, the prices are supposed to fall Are we seeing the prices fall? And is there any chance we're going to get back to those rates that we saw in early 2021 and before maybe 3 percent, 4 percent? Any chance? National median price in the latest up 1 percent in January compared to one year ago. So it is still up. But that's the national average. So if one looks at individual markets, for example, San Francisco, Seattle, prices are falling. But at the same time, in other areas, say Atlanta, uh, in other fast job creating areas, prices are still rising. I would say half of the country is seeing modest price gains. Other half of the country, modest price decline with few exceptions like San Francisco, where prices are down roughly 10 percent. 
I think you just dashed a lot of hopes. A lot of people are hoping to hear you say the rates are going to fall dramatically and the prices are falling, too, at the same time. I know that rarely happens. All right. So right now we're entering what used to be, at least pre-pandemic, the spring buying season. Are we going to see a similar pattern this year? And is it a buyer's market or a seller's market? Uh, it's going to be driven by the direction of the mortgage rates. Uh, the past week, some bad inflation numbers or the inflation remaining stubbornly high is keeping the mortgage rate a little elevated. But once inflation comes down, mortgage rates should be much more attractive for the remainder of the year. Uh, I think there will be some steady growth in home sales. Buyers, they understand the long-term wealth grain potential from home ownership. Uh, and we still have that housing shortage we alluded to earlier. So this housing shortage will not go away immediately. And consequently, is it a buyer's market, seller's market? Well, it's time for negotiation. I think people who are good at negotiation will get that right price they desire. I think I'm pretty ready to haggle myself. All right, we were just showing a board with some of these economic reports related to housing coming up. Is there one in particular that you think is especially important and that will give us the biggest insight into the housing market and the changes? Uh, you know, mortgage rate is the always big driver. But second number uh, is just job creation. America is still creating job, uh, meaning that the potential the pent-up housing demand is still building up. It's all about the mortgage rate to make homes a little more affordable. So once the mortgage rate drips down a bit, one can again see the reopening of the gates for the home buyers to re-enter. Now, it's not going to be a frenzy condition. 20% price gains, no, it's not going to happen. But say steady 3%, 4%, 5% annual gains, those are very plausible expectations in the upcoming years. All right, Lawrence Hume, Chief Economist of the National Association of Realtors. Great to have you here. Thank you for the insight. Thank you. All right, time now for a check on this morning's other headlines. NBC's Philip Mena is in New York with the very latest. Happy Monday, Philip. Happy Monday to you, Frank. A dangerous storm system is racing east this morning. Overnight, strong winds tore through the southern plains. The National Weather Service reported multiple tornadoes in Oklahoma. Officials said there were no reports of injuries, but there was damage to homes, gas, and power lines north of Interstate 40. Some 54,000 households are without power throughout the state this morning. And California is still reeling from heavy rain and snow that fell this weekend. Around 51,000 remained without power there. A mudslide damaged homes in Los Angeles County on Sunday afternoon. And the San Bernardino Fire Department is warning residents in the mountains not to travel as roadways there remain closed due to heavy snow. Big Bear Lake saw the snowiest three-day stretch on record with 57 inches. Nearly three years since COVID-19 was declared a pandemic, Two sources with direct knowledge told NBC News a classified report by the U.S. Department of Energy concluded with low confidence that the virus likely originated from a lab leak accident in Wuhan, China. Intelligence agencies don't believe the virus was part of a bioweapon program and that the leak was likely an accident. Republican Senator Dan Sullivan called for extensive hearings on the matter. Finally, hundreds of newspapers across the country have dropped the Dilbert comic strip after its creator, Scott Adams, went on a tirade denounced as racist. He aired the shocking commentary on his YouTube show, Real Coffee with Scott Adams. Elon Musk weighed in on Twitter, accusing the media of being, quote, racist against whites and Asians. All right, that's it from here, Frank. Send it back to you. All right, Philip Mena with the latest. Thanks a lot, Philip. Good to see you. You too. All right, as we had to break here on Wax, we're watching shares of Disney. Its latest movie, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, 
It may still be atop the box office, but it just set a record in all the wrong ways. Weekend ticket sales for the movie were down 69.7% here in North America compared to the previous week. That's the worst drop in the Marvel Cinematic Universe ever. Surpassing Black Widow's 68% drop during the pandemic. One thing, though, Black Widow went straight to streaming, so it's not quite apples to apples. I thought it was a pretty big, mo- uh, pretty good movie, but big problem, shrinking audience, didn't, uh, pun intended. We're back right after this. It is right around 5.30 a.m. here in the New York City area, and we're just getting started here on WEX. Here is what's on deck. We're gearing up for a very busy trading day ahead after Wall Street's worst week of the year. Futures, however, they are bouncing back. The consumer, front and center ahead of a slew of retail earnings reports. We take a look at Target as its stock continues to miss the mark. And first, it was abstract art and then research papers. Now, CNBC is asking ChatGPT to plan your next family getaway. The results are in, and they are coming up here on WEX on this Monday, February 27, 2023. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. All right, welcome back to WEX. I am Frank Collins. Get a check at the half an hour on U.S. stock futures after the Dow logged its worst week since September. Right now, we're seeing futures green across the board. The Nasdaq doing the best. Right now, if the markets opened up at this early point, the Dow would open up more than 100 points higher. All right, futures may be higher, but we're also watching Wall Street's fear gauge. That's the VIX rising above 23 last week to its highest level since the first few trading days of the year. You're seeing this big spike in February right here, flattening just a little bit right here, but certainly something to watch. Some of our early guests said some of that fear is driving the market. All right, the latest CBOE data shows call options betting the VIX will rise. They're changing hands at their highest rate since all the way back in March of 2020. That's right at the start of the pandemic and certainly something to watch. In the bond market, we're looking at yields as well. We're seeing the two and the five year at their highest level since November. Still seeing that inverted yield curve right now. The 10 year note at 3.96, just bumping up against a yield of 4%. We also want to hit oil right now, pretty much staying steady. We saw earlier, just at the beginning of the show, WTI crude at 76 bucks a barrel, still there, fractionally higher. Brent crude at 83 bucks a barrel, um, down just a little bit, but fractionally higher as well. Natural gas, something to watch. It's been a kind of a volatile market for natural gas this year, up a percent and a half. All right, time now for a check on this morning's top headlines. Our Silvana Hanau is back with those. Good morning again, Silvana. Good morning again to you, Frank. Union Pacific plans to replace CEO Lance Fritz later this year. The company making the announcement yesterday after a hedge fund that owns a $1.6 billion stake in the railroad operator went public with concerns about his leadership. In a letter, Sorbank Capital Partners says Union Pacific has lagged behind its peers during Fritz's eight-year tenure and a change is overdue. Union Pacific's board says it's been working with a leadership consultant to identify the best candidates for the job. Warner Brothers Discovery is suing Paramount Global over South Park. Warner says it paid Paramount more than $500 million in 2019 for exclusive streaming rights to new and existing episodes to air on HBO Max through 2025. The lawsuit claims Paramount instead put new South Park content on its own service, Paramount+. Plus. South Park Digital Studios, which produces the shows, is also named as a defendant, but the show's creators, Matt Stone and Trey Parker, are not. Twitter reportedly cut more jobs over the weekend. The Wall Street Journal says the exact scope of the cuts is unclear, but Platformer reports the head of Twitter payments, Esther Crawford, who oversaw the Twitter Blue subscription plan, was let go, as were most of the remaining product team, Frank. Silvana, thank you very much for those headlines. Our Silvana now.
All right, turn our attention to the earnings season in the consumer front and center. As a number of names get set to report, chief among them, Target. And it's a stock that's really been hammered over the past year. CNBC.com retail reporter Melissa Repko joins us now. Melissa, what's the latest on Target? Hey, Frank. As you said, Target's one of many retailers reporting this week. It's reporting its holiday quarter earnings. But for the company, its results and outlook are high stakes. The big box retailer sales soared during the early years of the pandemic. Yet over the past year, it has missed Wall Street's earnings expectations three quarters in a row. Its profit margins have been hit by aggressive markdowns as it cleared through the unsold goods that piled up as shoppers bought less of popular pandemic categories. And lately, inflation's changed its shoppers' behavior, causing them to pull back on purchases. For Target, those factors have led to a change of market sentiment, too. Its stock has fallen nearly 40 percent from its all-time closing high, which it hit in November 2021. Investors are eager to see if Target can break the streak and finally meet or beat their expectations. The company is expected to report $1.40 in adjusted earnings per share and $30.7 billion in revenue for the fiscal fourth quarter, according to consensus estimates from Affinitiv. One of the other big questions, what Target will project for its quarters ahead. It's expected to share its full-year guidance at an investor day in New York this Tuesday morning. So tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning. All right. So a lot to watch when it comes to Target. But certainly Target's not the only company reporting. We have a number of other retail reports, including Kohl's. Kind of give us a sense of what you're looking for in these other reports. There's a couple of different dynamics. So Kohl's and Macy's, who are reporting this week, will give us a window into how consumers are spending in those discretionary areas where they can cut back. And and those areas are more vulnerable, of course, as people feel the squeeze. Lowe's is also reporting on Wednesday, and that's an interesting one because its larger rival, Home Depot, missed revenue expectations for the first time since November 2019 when it reported last week. And it's worth noting that Lowe's generally lags behind its larger rival in home improvement. You know, it's really interesting. You're talking about Lowe's. Uh, Lowe's has a bigger do-it-yourself, uh, cu- I mean, customer base, I guess, but it's like, I was about to say consumer base, but it's the same word. Yes. Um, a bigger do-it-yourself consumer base. So with the housing market so stagnant, we were just talking about it. How does that impact the Lowe's? It could really be both a headwind and a tailwind. On the one hand, people may be uh, more reluctant to move. On the other hand, they may be tackling those DIY projects, which could help Lowe's because of that larger business, because they say, hey, I can't move. I want to stick with the fixed mortgage rate I've got. And so I want to have a nicer bathroom. I want to spruce up my kitchen or or maybe do a little paint job to make it feel a little fresh. Yeah, I'm doing a little stuff in my house as well. I wish somebody would create an app where you can match paint by just putting your phone up, but I digress. I also mentioned Kohl's because they've done quite a few uh, partnerships, one with Sephora, also with Amazon. I actually just dropped off an Amazon order at a Kohl's the other day. Is that a a tailwind for them? Is that a benefit when it comes to sales or maybe even increasing the sales per basket or the price of amount people are spending per basket? That's definitely one of the ways that Kohl's has been trying to draw foot traffic. And it has been the subject of a lot of activist investors lately. It has a new CEO who stepped into place. Amazon's one thing it's done, but it's also opened a lot of beauty stores with Sephora inside of its stores. And that's another way it's trying to get creative to draw foot traffic as it's struggled to draw shoppers in some cases and also seeing some categories like apparel get weaker. Yeah, really interesting because I, I visited that Kohl's, not only drop off my Amazon things, I'm going to make a confession to buy a little makeup. We're on TV. We need makeup. <laughs> All right, Melissa Repko, CNBC retail reporter. Thank you so much. Great stuff as always. Great to see you. All right, time now for your top trending story. And this one comes straight from CNBC.com, and it's all about ChatGPT. It has written term papers, love letters, and even college essays. But how about booking your next vacation? Well, CNBC.com travel editor Monica Pitarelli tasked it just to do just that. Her results are live on CNBC.com. 
But you don't have to go looking because she joins me right now with the AI-inspired itinerary. A little alliteration, too. Monica, great to see you. How did it go? Yeah, good morning, Frank. Yeah, well, there were some hits and there were some misses. That's what I discovered when I chatted with Chat GPT about its travel planning capabilities. The first thing I asked it was, can you help me plan a beach trip for my family in March? It said, sure, just tell me your interests and your budget. So I did. And it said, I think you should go to Hawaii, Florida, Costa Rica, or several places in the Caribbean. I said, that's a great list. However, I live in Asia. Ah, okay, the bot said. Well, then Bali, Langkawi, Phuket, and Krabi would be better bets. But I wasn't done. I said, I really want amazing food. In that case, it said, you should look to Penang, Malaysia, Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam, Osaka, Japan, or Bangkok in Thailand. But hold on, I had one more ask. I want to avoid crowds. And the bot said, all right, it's possible, but you want to then limit it only to Langkawi. Krabi, or Bali, but specifically the northern beaches of Bali, not the south. Number one, fascinating. Uh, Chad GPT's planning vacation is kind of the way I would. I don't know if Melissa's still here. You just got back from Bali, right? Or Thailand? Thailand, yes, exactly. Yeah. So what do you think about Chad GPT's recommendations? Well, I mean, I did go to Krabi, and I would say that it's a little off the beaten path. So it did do a good job in whittling down and, and coming up with some good ideas there. All right. You know, I, I definitely agree with their food list. I, I'm a big fan of Malaysian food. And then also, uh, I think Bangkok has incredible food. I've been there myself. So overall, Monica, what did you think about the planning? Would you turn to ChatGPT to plan your trip? Or are you going to get on some other travel site and do it yourself from now on? You know, I think I would. And I have to say, and if you, if you read the story, there was plenty of mishaps along the way. Um, but it was fun and it was fast. You know, if you've ever been chatting with customer service and you feel like whoever you're dealing with just gets up and walks away from the computer because they just disappear, <laughs> it doesn't do that. It's quick. Um, but it wasn't always correct. So I would definitely say if you want to use it, um, double check what it says before you make any booking. So here's the important part. I love to plan trips, at least in my head. But then when it's time to actually do all the like legwork and everything, I get a little tedious. tedious. So can ChatGPT actually book the trip for you? Is it, does it have that level of capability? No, and I desperately hope that it did, but it does not. <laughs> in fact, the data on it is only accurate up until September 2001. And as we know, there's been so much that has changed since that time period. Um, but, you know, I think it's a promising start, but I definitely think travel agents' jobs are secure for the time being. <laughs> Monica Pitarelli, great story. I think everybody should take a check. Uh, and you got to make sure you send us the pictures from this chat GPT inspired vacation after you get back. Will Good do. To see you. All right, coming up here on WEX, the cyber sector may be struggling as of late, but one stock is outperforming the group. Your mystery chart revealed and its CEO in a worldwide exchange exclusive. Both coming up. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to WEX. Let's take a quick look at year-to-date S&P SMB gainers and also laggers. We're going to start off with the gainers, of course. Uh, Tesla up 63% year-to-date, along with Warner Brothers Discovery. NVIDIA, big beneficiary of that AI buzz, up uh, 61% just about year-to-date. Catlin, a big player when it came to the vaccine delivery, also up year-to-date. All right, look at some of the laggards as well. We're looking at Lumen Technologies, down more than 31%. Moderna, also in the vaccine space, down more than 22%. Pfizer, same story, down more than 20% year-to-date. All right, turn our attention to the cybersecurity space. Those stocks, they've been performing well this year, and even, even more so in just the past week. Palo Alto Network's Trounce Analyst Earnings Forecast. Check out the Global X Cybersecurity ETF or 
BUG, ticker BUG. It's up 8% year-to-date. But the company we have coming up, Tenable, it's outperforming that ETF, up more than 14% year-to-date. And chairman and CEO of Tenable, Amit Yuren, joins us now in a Worldwide Exchange exclusive. Amit, great to have you here. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Frank. Great to be with you. All right, Amit. So we're looking at the, the outperformance of the BUG. We're even looking at your outperformance, up 14% year-to-date. What's the environment right now when it comes to cybersecurity? Well, I think the environment is incredibly healthy. If you look at the Internet, if you look at the number of attacks that are happening offline, if you look at how critical IT systems and data are to companies around the world, uh, there's a lot of concern about cybersecurity. And so the environment from a uh, cybersecurity provider perspective is incredibly healthy. All right. By the way, your company, about 5% of the holdings in the BUG ETF. Having a hard time talking today, Amit. Uh, the BUG ETF, part of the, the big rise there. All right. So also want to talk about AI. Um, your company is using AI currently. So just give us a sense of how you use AI. And are your customers asking you more and more about AI when it comes to their cybersecurity? Yeah, Tenable, we use uh, a number of different technologies and methodologies to help organizations determine exactly how vulnerable they are, how at risk they are to cybersecurity exploits. So we use, you know, given the number of sheer number and volume of vulnerabilities, we use AI to help them to determine which vulnerabilities are exploitable. Uh, and this is one of many techniques and, you know, one of the many applications of AI in cybersecurity. So we hear about it from customers, but it's one of many things that we do. All right, I want to talk about another holding in the BUG ETF, Palo Alto Networks. Their CEO, Nikesh Arora, he had a lot of comments about AI during the company's most recent earnings call. That stock, 8% of the BUG, up 17% month to date. I want to play you a soundbite from Nikesh Arora and just get your reactions. Uh, his, these comments are about AI. Unlike consumer AI, where we can talk about sonnets and chat GPT's creative capabilities and the revolution that is going to drive in search or advertising, its ability to summarize data and continue to amuse and inform us, the demands from AI in enterprise are far more exacting and so are the returns. All right. So he says the demands for an enterprise, like many of your customers, far more exacting, but so are the returns. So what was your take on what he was saying? It sounded like he basically said, yes, we're using AI, but it's not quite ready for prime time yet. Well, I think Nikesh is exactly right. It's not quite ready for prime time in general purpose application. If you look at the complexity of enterprise networks and enterprise environments, you'll see that AIs, which can be tricked, and we're seeing it happen online already with the general purpose AIs, which can be tricked, it's not quite mature enough to make those critical decisions in enterprise environments. All right. One other thing I want to talk to you about, we hit it a little bit earlier in the show, is the rise of the dollar in February, up more than 3% in February. Tenable gets about one-third of its revenues outside the Americas. Are you hearing any, you know, quibbling, I guess, about the rising dollar and your costs? I think there's always uh, concern about cost as the dollar rises. As you said, Tenable transacts business in 160 countries around the world. About a third of our revenues come from, from overseas. So it does. It makes those goods and services more expensive. On the flip side, it makes some of our operating expenses, does help lower some of our operating expenses where our dollar can go uh, a little bit further. At the end of the day, I think it's incredibly important for businesses to have that global footprint, to have that diverse base of customers in different industries and different geos for uh, being more resilient in in more challenging uh, and more dynamic economic environments. All right. Amit Yuren, CEO and chairman of Tenable. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it. All right, as we had to break here on WAX during February, we are celebrating Black Heritage with some of our CNBC teammates, contributors, and business leaders 
Here is former Federal Reserve Vice Chairman and CNBC contributor Robert Roger Ferguson. My heritage and culture as being an African-American male has had a major impact on my career. And the main thing is that it is uh, focused in on areas where uh, blacks have frankly been disadvantaged with a real focus on financial security, financial literacy, uh, retirement savings, you know, that range of topics. And I think it's really important for everybody, but it's particularly important for African-Americans um, who you know, have been you know, forced to be at the bottom end of the income and wealth spectrum and anything we can do to overcome you know, all of that years of heritage and discrimination, I think is really important. All right, welcome back from that quick trip around the world here on Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your WEX wrap-up. Six stories you may have missed as we close in on the 6 o'clock hour. We begin with Warren Buffett pushing back against those railing against corporate stock buybacks. In his annual shareholder letter, he calls its critics, quote, economic illiterates. Berkshire says it bought back nearly $8 billion in common stock last year. Investment bank China Renaissance breaking its silence over its missing CEO. The company says Bao Fan is cooperating with a government investigation this as its shares try to bounce off record lows earlier this month. As ways of tech companies look to trim headcounts and others looking to snap them up, Hitachi reportedly says it's planning a multi-billion dollar U.S. hiring spree to expand its digital services. And Pfizer is reportedly in talks to acquire biotech firm Seagen for more than $30 billion. If confirmed, the deal will bolster Pfizer's lineup of cancer treatments. Shares of Seagen right now up almost 15 percent, Pfizer down about 2 percent. Axios is reporting several House committees are planning a round of hearings over the White House's response to the toxic train derailment in Ohio. Among the key questions will be how the government supervises rail companies. And Chinese smartphone giant Xiaomi taking aim at Samsung and Apple, launching its Xiaomi 13 and 13 Pro for global markets outside of China. The handset starts at more than $1,000 and features tech from Qualcomm and Lieka. All right, gearing up for the trading week ahead. We're watching earnings and Risker from, excuse me, Fisker and Zoom Video, as well as data on durable goods and pending home sales today. Kristen Dolan also becomes the CEO of AMC Networks, and Congress is returning to Capitol Hill after the President's Day work period. Tomorrow, we get earnings from Target, Norwegian Cruise Line, and Rivian, plus the S&P Case-Shiller Home Price Index and consumer confidence numbers. Also on tap, investor days for Goldman Sachs and Chevron, the 100-day mark for Disney CEO Bob Iger, and arguments to, to the Supreme Court on Biden's student loan forgiveness program. Then on Wednesday, watching out for earnings from Lowe's and Kohl's, as well as Salesforce, manufacturing PMI, and weekly mortgage applications are also on the docket, along with Tesla's Investor Day. On Thursday, a big day for retail earnings from the likes of Best Buy and Macy's, Kroger and Nordstrom, among others. Initial jobless claims are also out for the week. And around out a very busy week, services PMI on Friday, President Biden will also be welcoming German Chancellor Olaf Scholz to the White House. 
All right, that's your week ahead. Right now, we want to take a quick check at futures, something to watch after we're coming off a very difficult week for Wall Street last week. Right now, we're just seeing green across the board. If it opened up right now, the Dow could open up about 140 points higher. We're also checking the bond market. Yields keep moving higher with the two and the five year at their highest level since November. We're seeing the two year at 4.84, the five year at 4.233. Also, that inverted yield curve, something we continue to watch as a recession indicator, possibly. Also watching energy. Oil very steady at 76 bucks a barrel right now. Looking at WTI, just above 76 bucks a barrel, down fractionally. Brent crude at 83 bucks a barrel, also down fractionally. Again, watching natural gas up a percent and a half. And checking the dollar in its slow climb higher right now at its highest since early January. And coming off its best week since September. Look at the dollar uh, up a percent and a half year to date, but up 3% alone in February. And speaking of currencies, we're watching crypto. We're seeing both Bitcoin and Ether right now. Earlier they were down, uh, still down this morning. Bitcoin below that 25,000 mark. Ether down about a quarter of a percent. Look at Solana, though, the hardest hit in the whole crypto complex, down almost 3%. All right, let's get to Aaron Gibbs, Main Street Asset Management Chief Investment Officer. Aaron, great to have you here. Not hearing you, Aaron. Uh, maybe having some technical difficulties. Can you, can you hear me? Uh, yes, you can. There we go, the magic of television. Um, Aaron, okay. so we've been talking all day about the VIX and the VIX rise and up about uh, double digits in February alone. What do you make of that and how is that influencing the market? Yeah, so it's it's been up for about two weeks. Uh, that obviously just says that there's a little more fear out there. Uh, a lot of the news that we've seen hasn't reassured investors. In fact, it's increased their fears about further rate hikes. Um, and one of the things that we notice when we basically break up. A- All right, we're going to welcome in Sam Stovall into this conversation as well. Sam, you there? Frank, I'm here. All right, good morning. Thanks for being here as well. So Aaron's watching the VIX. You're actually doing something, a kind of a blended mix of fundamental and technical analysis, looking at different sectors. What's this blend? What's this revealing to you? Well, obviously, CFRA is a fundamental equity research shop, you know, looking at GARP growth at a reasonable price. But I try to add some value through technical analysis, moving averages, and so forth. Uh, I like to say that fundamentals tell you what, but technicals tell you when and how far. So realizing that only 10% of the nearly 150 sub-industries in the S&P 1500 are up in February, the question was, well, how many are still above their 10-week and 40-week moving averages, or essentially their 50-day and 200-day moving averages, and about a third of the sub-industries are. So in a sense, you know, while we have been seeing a weakening of breadth or participation, uh, they're still holding up relatively well. All right. Uh, by the way, to the audience, we're, we're hoping to get Aaron Gibbs's uh, audio issues uh, resolved, and hopefully we're going to welcome her back into the conversation. But right now we're with Sam Stovall of CFRA. So, Sam, I just want to go a little bit deeper on this, on this, this blend of fundamentals and technicals you're looking at. Are there certain areas or sectors that you're staying away from and others that you're jumping into? For example, we saw a big jump when it came to some of the riskier names, high growth names in cloud computing in uh, other areas like the ARKK, the ARK Innovation ETF, really had a big boost to start the year. Are you, or do you think you are still confident that these companies and these areas can still rally? Or are you switching gears to different areas? 
No, I, I think basically uh, if your time horizon is a year out, which is what CFRA analysts focus on, then I still think you have to expect the Fed to stop raising rates in June, uh, the market advancing as it looks across the valley into 2024. And we got a, a good sneak peek, if you will, in January as to technology, financials, uh, also looking at communication services and consumer discretionary. So the growth areas did pop in January. And I think a year from now, they will end up being leaders. But certainly the first half is likely to be fairly volatile. And as Aaron will talk about in a minute, I guess, uh, the VIX uh, being elevated as well. All right. So you're looking for some leadership in those high growth names a year out. But right now you feel like this rally, that trend may be coming to an end. I want to also talk about some of the areas that you're looking at. You're actually paying attention to insurance stocks, not the sexiest area, but you're seeing opportunities there. Kind of break down your thesis. Sure. Well, when you look at uh, those groups that have performed the best over the last uh, since the market high on February 2nd, three of the top five are in the insurance area, multi-line, property casualty and reinsurance groups. And uh, that area that is also above its 10 and 40 week moving averages is the reinsurance category. So one of the stocks in this category that we favor is Everest Re because we've been seeing an increased demand uh, for reinsurance, property casualty insurance because of worldwide catastrophes as well as the heightened geopolitical risk. So pricing has been firming in this area and we think that Everest Re is a company that will likely benefit most uh, from peer average growth. All right. You're also taking a close look at financials. Another one of your picks is Voya Financial. Give us your thesis on this. Is it generally a rate story? Or is there some other factor here? Well, it's a rate story, but it's also a company that focuses on uh, retirement plans, et cetera. And so with so many baby boomers uh, retiring uh, in the, the several um, you know months ahead and so forth, uh, Voya is one of those groups that we think will likely benefit. So financials as well as technology are the two sectors that are still above their 10 and 40 week moving averages uh, and that we have uh, some favorable recommendations in. All right. I think we got Aaron Gibbs back. Aaron, welcome back to the conversation. One thing I want to ask you about is your S&P price target. You have a price target of 4575, just about a 15 percent upside from what we're seeing right now. How do you see that playing out? Because it seems to be a pretty rocky February. Um, do you see the rest of this quarter playing out with all upside? And how do we eventually get to that 15 percent rise? Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. I think, Sam, that was your target. I'm, I'm mixing them yeah. up. I'm I was going to say, gosh, how does Aaron have a target just like mine? But uh, essentially uh, looking for the growth uh, in the second half of this year into next year. Also looking at the cap weighted target price differentials for the stocks in the 500 for CFRA analysts. All right. We're going to leave the conversation here. Sorry about all the technical difficulties. Aaron Gibbs, thank you for being here. Sam Stowell, thank you for being here. Um, Thank you all for watching. We had a few technical difficulties, but hopefully you got a few investment ideas out the show. And that's going to do it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. Squawk Box, coming up next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, 
No one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.